This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 59 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am really excited to introduce special guest Lori Melnitsky. Lori is a veteran speech-language pathologist. She's been in the field for over 30 years, and she started out her career focusing on stuttering and then she expanded and started to do some work in the area of ADHD and executive functioning. So she shares a little bit about her story and why she specializes in what she does in this episode. But I'm really excited to have her perspective because right now she not only offers courses and services in the area of fluency and stuttering, but she also does coaching for parents and young adults who need some support in the area of ADHD and executive functioning. So in this interview, we talk about a ton of topics that I think are super useful to anyone who is supporting K-12 kids because Lori sees some 
clients who are in the late stages of high school, early college, young adulthood. And so I think that having that perspective is really valuable. So specifically in this interview, we talk about the importance of parent coaching. And Lori talks a little bit about the intricacies of figuring out how to coach the client themselves and see if they are in a place where they could benefit from that versus doing some direct speech and language services or doing some parent coaching. So I found that really helpful because as clinicians, if you are a teacher or a therapist supporting kids, it can be really helpful to figure out exactly how to intervene. And I really think that you know, with with the speech pathologists I mentor, I always encourage them to think about their role beyond just direct therapy, even though that is super important. And it's definitely an essential part of what we do. And if you're a parent who's trying to navigate services, getting direct therapy services can be an important component. But there are so many other things outside of that that are going to be important. And part of that is coaching the people who are supporting the child across the settings that they are in. That can be really helpful because many times if it's a therapy situation, you might only be working with that client for 30, 40, 60 minutes or however long your session is, but then they've got to go apply those skills across settings. And it's so important for them to know how to to do that and that they have the support and scaffolding across settings so that they have people who are making sure that they are applying those skills and supporting them accordingly so that they can be independent. So it's a super helpful episode. She shares some great perspectives and I'm really excited to share it with you. Before we get going, I wanted to mention a couple key resources if you wanna learn more information on some of the topics that we talk about. So I mentioned that, you know, there is a difference and there are certain skills that can be addressed really effectively in a direct therapy situation. So a lot of those academic skills and those language and literacy skills that are that are more academic and really tied to language processing as it relates to school tasks like reading comprehension and writing. So I know that as a speech pathologist, it can be really difficult to know how to intervene when there are so many different language skills that you can be working on. And just to understand what's the best way to spend that 30, 40, or however long your sessions are with your students and how to make the biggest impact in a short amount of time. So if you're an SLP and you want to understand how you can support those underlying language skills needed to support high-level comprehension and executive functioning, then definitely check out my Language Therapy Advanced Foundations program for SLPs, where I outline a complete framework that SLPs can use to support language processing in therapy. To get more information about that, you're going to want to go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language foundations. Again, that's drkarenspeech.com backslash language foundations. Now, as I said before, direct therapy is a huge part of what can help kids be successful if they need some support in language and executive functioning. But the parent coaching and training part of it is so important 
and understanding what executive functioning is and how to support it across settings can be a huge part of a child's success. So I actually, as I'm recording this episode, am in the process of totally reworking my programs that are designed to help support executive functioning. And then also what I used to refer to as social skills or pragmatic language, what I'm now referring to as, um, I like to call it social problem solving or executive functioning applied to social situations, because I think that is a more accurate way and a more effective way to help kids be independent. So I did just want to make that announcement that I am working on revamping that and there will be more information coming soon on that. But if you wanted some information about executive functioning, then definitely check out my parent guide. Um, That'll help you out in the meantime. And to get that guide, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. So now let's get started with the interview. Please enjoy this interview with Lori Malnitsky. Today I am joined by Lori Milnitsky, a speech pathologist, and I thought we would just go ahead. If Lori, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Yes. So you guess. Um, Lori Milnitsky. I'm a speech language pathologist, and I'm also an ADHD and executive functioning coach. I have been a speech language pathologist for. Actually, it'll it'll be 30 years next month. I run All Island Speech and Stuttering Therapy, which also um, has a, a coaching business. I, I specialize a lot in stuttering therapy also. I stutter also, and um, I see children and adults. I also see a lot of um, people with motor planning issues. And I sort of got into ADHD coaching about 10 years ago and executive functioning help. One, because I was noticing a lot of my high schoolers and my college students were like really having um, a difficult time organizing and doing well in school and later on in life. And my daughter, who's now 24, who was diagnosed with ADHD when she was about nine, I sort of realized that there was a huge need. When people typically come to you for the executive functioning coaching and coaching surrounding ADHD, what's the typical scenario that you see? So I tend to see um, either students in their junior or senior year of high school um, in college and I see, you know, um, adults in the professional world. So what, what I've been seeing, and this has actually gotten more since COVID is that I see they're very overwhelmed. They're very anxious. Um, sometimes I see high schoolers and I saw this in my daughter. They just don't know if it's possible for them to succeed. They don't seem to have the skills, they don't know how to organize, they're not handing things in on time, and 
their self-esteem is diminishing and it's causing a tremendous amount of anxiety. And that could go, you know, all the way up to college students who just can't make it through a semester because they, they never learned these skills in high school. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of overwhelm and I'll, and also I think a lot of confusion, what, you know, n- n- not everyone who has executive functioning, you know, issues as, you know, I mean, necessarily has ADHD, but I think a lot of confusion, what, you know, if they have ADHD, what that means, mm-hmm. and if they have ex- executive functioning issues, what it means. So I think there's a lot of not understanding it. And a lot of them are getting accommodations, like they're getting extra time, but you know, having time and a half and, and having more time, or you know, even possibly being on medicine and not having the underlying skills to really plan, start, and initiate it task and end it mm-hmm. is really hurting them. Yeah. So they're very frustrated. And I personally, you know, notice when they get to like their junior year in high school, they start realizing it even more. Mm-hmm. And it's something that they're like a little bit more motivated by, and they really want to start working on it. So you're seeing some of the clients that you have, by the time they're getting to you, they've actually realized this is a problem and I need to, I need to figure this out. Yes. And I think it's, you know, a lot more motivating because, you know, I know as a parent also, um, you want to get your kids help. I mean, I saw it with my daughter in middle school and, um, you know, she would be the first one who would admit it now because she isn't college and she's like really learned all of it. And I see like, I don't say a word now. She handles everything on her own, but you know, it's very hard when they're in like middle school and they don't really see what the long-term, you know, outcome is and they don't understand why this all matters. So yes. um, I mean, I see it to be honest with you. I see a lot of young children who stutter, you know, and like I said, have modus speech issues. And I see the disorganization early on. Mm. So it really, really starts, you know, early on. So it's best, I mean, and it's something I've sort of incorporated a lot into my practice that I do a lot of um, coaching with parents, you know, kind of showing them early on how to teach their kids best ways of learning because, you know, not everybody learns in the same manner and best ways of doing homework and best ways of really, you know, finding ways to organize, but it's definitely a little bit easier when it's something that they want, you know, or even young adults who come to me at a college and who would like you know, who will say to me, honestly, I don't know how I made it. I sort of like made it through college, but you know what? I'm like really nervous because now somebody might hire me, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'm not sure I can really handle it. So it's definitely, you know, has a more motivating factor as they 
get older. Yeah. Yeah, of course, by then, though, there's there's all these skills, you know, looking back hindsight uh, that they probably wish they would have <laughs> would have worked on earlier. Like, I, what would you say when when you have clients who come to you that that do seem to be motivated and realize that they have some things that that are skills that they didn't build when they were younger, like if if they could turn back time, what do they usually wish that they would have learned early on? Well, you know, it's, it's like really interesting. And I think it's important, like sometimes that we share our experiences because I didn't do that well in, in high school and I was not organized and I became an accountant in a very, um, in an, what's the right in a, in an in a world that was like not using technology a lot so i was the one and i'm sure i'm you know adhd or you know adhd inattentive um i you know i was the one who was over overwhelmed and i honestly i'm a much better speech pathologist <laughs> than i was in a Accountant, and I went back when I was twenty-seven. Okay, and I got my master's. So I, you know, always say I didn't have those skills. I didn't. I didn't have them. I didn't do that well until I went for my master's. So I always say to them, and you know what? We're starting now. The first thing is you came and you got help. You know, that's number one. And you're never like old. I mean, I think, you know, a lot is expected, as we all know, so much is expected of these kids now. In school, there's a tremendous amount of overwhelm. I think it's very hard to learn in a world of overwhelm. So I think, you know, the first thing, I mean, I'm not a mental health professional, but, you know, I always personally, you know, look out for that, number one, you know, and I refer out as needed. And I really try and get them in a more positive mindset. Like, here's where you are now. What are the things that that you like? I mean, it could be like one thing. It could be like, you know what, I really realize that, you know what, I'm a very, you know, outgoing, I'm a social person, you know what, and then we have to sort of find out at some point, you know, do you really, you know, if you're in high school, if you're in college, are you ready? You know what, are you ready? Because, you know, it is known that there's a good four-year lag, Mm -hmm. you know, the brain, um, you know, is definitely on about a four-year development lag, So we have to kind of sit down and see, you know what, you have a, and I always say you're young, you know what, you can come to be, you know, and be 39, it doesn't matter, you're young, and you can learn. So we sit down and we develop a simple plan, because the more things you start planning, that's where the executive functioning issues come in. So I have a couple questions about some things you said, and then I've I've got I've got another direction I want to go. So you yeah. had said a few minutes ago that when you are seeing younger children for 
because they're stuttering that you see some of these executive functioning issues in them as well. But I noticed a lot of language issues. I noticed that there were a lot of problems retelling a story and a lot of problem, um, you know, a lot of like lack of confidence and a lot of word finding issues. And I mean, I see it a lot, you know, with kids who have characteristics of apraxia because, you know, at an early age, they don't seem to have the ability to tell narratives. Mm -hmm. So I kind of start seeing it and then I can, you know, almost see it. I mean, I, I've done a lot with dyslexia also. So you can sort of see it, you know, from the age of, I would say four where, you know, they're in preschool and they get something written up like, um, you know, so-and-so can't really sit down at circle time. So-and-so can't really remember what I'm asking them. So-and-so can't, you know, answer what and where. So I think I see it in the language a lot and I see it early on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is more executive functioning and language combined as well. And obviously we know that those two, those two things tend to go together. Um, so you're starting to see some of those red flags early on, meaning just, you know, they're, a step behind, or they're not able to attend to a task, or they have a hard time organizing some of the things that they're saying. Yes. And, and I mean, and I think sometimes it's, it's like overlapping a little Mm. bit. I mean, stuttering, if they're like, um, getting like really stuck on a word, or if they're prolonging a sound like that, or they're blocking and they can't get a word out as opposed to more disfluencies of like, you know, I, 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 or, you know, some of the kids who will say mommy nine times. Um, I see that, you know, more, or, you know, I want, they're, they're, they're not, they're not able to structure, you know, even if they know the language, they're not able to really structure it enough. Mm-hmm. With those are some of the things that you see in the younger kids. What about when you have kids who could are potentially starting to show some issues with executive functioning, let's say in middle school, because that's really an age where they're preparing for high school, they're preparing for college, and some of the the independence that they have to have after they come out of elementary school, there's a big jump there when you get into middle school. What are some signs or things to look for in kids that might need some work in executive functioning at that middle school age? So I'm going to tell you on a personal level, my younger daughter started to get headaches Hmm. and she was in, I believe, sixth because we start middle school here early, actually. So I think, and she was getting very bad headaches um, and she didn't want to go to school anymore. As I started getting her help, I realized that there are a lot of kids who 
will have headaches. Um, they, they, they start to get very anxious and all of a sudden they start hating school. So I see like not handing in homework. I see what, you know, a lot of us perceive as lying. They'll, you know, say, you know, I promised you, I finished, you know, everything and I hand did it in, but it's really intense fear of not being able to catch up. Mm -hmm. Um, so I see that a lot and I see, and I hear it a lot that, you know, everybody, you know, a lot of people are very anxious and some, you know, it's sort of can branch out, you know, into some social issues, some behavioral issues, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some things happening at home. I I mean, I, I think at any time when like homework becomes like a battle, Mm-hmm. Yeah. You really have to find out why, because it's just not worth it. I mean, I can tell you from a personal experience and it's, it's, it's not that I ever say to anybody, you know, you don't have to do homework, but that's when you really have to reach out and you really have to put accommodations in. But I always try and tell families, you have to kind of make sure that that even if the accommodations are are in place, they're in the right mindset because some schools are better at executive functioning help. I mean, that wasn't the case in ours. And I don't see that a lot where I am. I don't see them really learning it. I, I see that you either have it or, or not. But there are definitely, you know, a lot of things. And if you, you can get some outside help, they have somebody else that they could work with, that they have somebody else who's kind of there. So more of a coach or a mentor for the family outside of the school setting to support those skills? Yes, because I think sometimes, you know, we're trying so hard to really help our kids and we want to make things better that, that we don't understand that there's a lot we can really help them with at home. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the hardest thing to do is to do nothing because sometimes if they don't experience what it means to like, to not finish something, to not hand in something, to not be reliable there, they don't learn. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this has to come from us and our home. And I think a lot of it is, you know, understanding that they have to learn some of this on their their own. And there are ways of us just helping at home. So helping at home, but at the same time, not doing the work for them so that they can take some accountability for what they need to do. Is that what you're saying? Right. I mean, like you really can't make, I mean, in my experience, you you can't make anybody do anything that they right. don't really want to do. But you can definitely say, you know, and learn like you can, you know, only do whatever you want as long as your responsibilities are done. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily, you know, all about school. Oh, yeah. You know, you could definitely, I mean, if, and, and I think it's very important that they find something at a school that they love. Yeah. Because if you find an outside activity, not, not only does it give you more, you know, and 
increased sense of self-esteem, you're also getting the satisfaction of hearing others telling you that you found something that you're good at. Yeah. And also that's, those are other potential mentors, you know, coaches or peers that other, other models for, for your child as well, if you are working on specific things and if they are working on learning to build relationships and uh, responsibility and accountability, I think that those things are always good. So I know that you had said that a lot of the, a lot of your clients that come to you are motivated because they're realizing that they have some things that they need to work on if they want to be successful. What about cases where, do you ever have cases where it's the parent bringing the child in because the parent is realizing that it's an issue, but the child has not? Do you have cases like that? And how do you work through that? Yeah. So usually what I say is, that's why, I, you know, over time, I tend to do more parent coaching when they're younger, because I personally, you know, the f- first thing I kind of, you know, ask it, ask, you know, if they're of about 16 or 17 or over is, why are you here? And how do you want me helping? So I mean, if they say to me, I'm like, you know, not interested at all. <laughs> um and it's, you know, not something that I want now, I would probably start with some pairing coaching more. Mm-hmm. Because I just, you know, I guess I saw it on a personal level of spending a lot of money and doing it more because it was something I wanted more. So I just, you know, I don't think you can make them, but I think, and it's like, you know, it is a hard thing because, you want to see them moving on. You're, n- you're not really sure, especially in high school, you know, especially that like junior or senior year of high school, when it seems like the, the only thing you could possibly do is college. Yeah. You know, um, so it is a lot of kind of, and I do a lot of asking. So, you know, I just ask what's happening. What do you want? you know, what do you want me to help with what's happening, you know, in your life. And I, I won't necessarily, you know, always start with what's happening in school, you know, is, are you able to live in your bedroom? Is it a mess? You know, um, are you able to help out at, at home? But I do, I do, you know, watch that mental health. I mean, because, because I see sometimes I could see that, you know, overall overwhelm and anxiety in itself can cause major, you know, anxiety and depression can cause major executive functioning issues. So I do like, you know, really watch that and I get a good history. And then sometimes, you know, it's, it's interesting because you know, obviously at that age, there's a lot of um, battles with um, teenagers and parents. So sometimes they meet me and they don't seem like really interested. And then like all of a sudden, when I don't ask anything about school and I kind of find things that we're both interested in, they start opening up more. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of have them <laughs> yeah. because um, then, you know, all of a sudden they they realize, you know, when I'm not there to watch them, I'm not there to 
be a parent. I'm there to just really help them. Just actually had that happen recently. This year, I had a high schooler um, and he did not want to work with me at all. Um, And we just like, we really spent like two sessions talking about things he liked. Two or three weeks later, he started, you know, opening up. He was not handing in any math homework because he knew that if if he if he did not hand it in, his teacher let him hand it in the next morning. So he didn't find you know any motivation to really hand it in. But we went into a whole scenario of like, well, and and he actually wants to go to med school. So we sort of you know went into a whole scenario like, you know what? What if you're in a hospital? And you order something and you're supposed to see a a patient and you decide at that moment, no, I'm going to do it the next morning. And what if that information is so important that that patient doesn't hear it? And, you know, things like that made it more connected to his, his life. And like all of a sudden he said, oh, you know what? I never thought about that. And he, and he like, you know, made up a whole plan how to get his math homework in. So it really was amazing. So he did start to turn it in on time. He did. That. He did. He like all of a sudden he went from like turning in 30% of his math homework. And also another thing was his mother was getting very mad at him. And I, and this is hard. And I said to him, and so we decided that nobody could comment on it, you know, whether he handed it in or not. So he started to figure it out on his own. And like all of a sudden he was handing in almost 90% of it. So it was amazing because nobody was like on him. And he started to like realize more what it meant. So I wanted to come back to the anxiety and the depression, because I know that sometimes with ADHD, and anxiety, that it can be kind of a chicken or egg scenario. Because I've heard some people say, well, obviously, if you're anxious, it's harder to focus and pay attention. But then on the flip side, if you have executive functioning issues, and you can't visualize where you're going, and you don't have a picture of the scenario that you're going to be entering, because you can't, you can't quite picture the steps and how long it's going to take, then of course you're going to be anxious. So I'm curious if you've had scenarios where you've had to kind of figure out, all right, is it is it that you you know you're you're worried about how long it's going to take and that's why you're anxious versus you know needing to do relaxation or things like that. Have you ever had scenarios where being more organized and learning to plan actually reduced anxiety? Yeah, I mean, I think it it is kind of hard to know at certain times. I mean, depression to me is like, you know, you really, you know, have to refer out. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't like fool around. I think that, you know, I, I don't fool around with that. To me, mental health is more important than anything thing else. Um, definitely if you're procrastinating a lot it's going to cause a lot of anxiety. But I think, I mean, I can't always tell, but I can, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I have another high schooler I work with um, who actually stutters and has um, 
executive functioning, you know, issues and ADHD. So she gets like, you know, really, really nervous whenever she has to take midterms or finals or, you know, any like, you know, really high pressure exams. But the minute she's at a school, she's like really, really happy. But I don't see the anxiety in all aspects of her life. So in that case, I do think learning systems is really helping her, you know, learning ways to really get her work done and, you know, more, um, you know, kind of like more um, emotional balance, you know, and this happened with her and this happened with my daughter. So, you know, if you're getting extra time and you have three tests in one day, which should not happen. I mean, it it was not supposed to really happen with my daughter, but, you know, a lot of times they were not following what the uh, accommodations are. So a lot of times you're in a very hard spot because you really can't spend like, you know, if you're getting extra time, one exam after another, you're going to be spending a huge amount of time in one spot and and there is no time to really relax so i think it's very very important to realize like those accommodations might be written out and they might look and you know especially in high school it's like you know not like all the teachers are having meetings and they're not you know able to collaborate so you really have to you know really keep checking in what's happening and are these accommodations or is the extra help really helping or is it doing more harm? Yeah. Well, I could see. So with extended time, as you were saying earlier, if that's great to give more time, if it does take longer to plan and and go through, but but what if they don't know what steps to take during that time and they don't have some strategy for how they take their test? I would imagine that, you know, just extending the time without teaching some additional skills or putting some additional supports in there, would that really help? No, it's like, you know, meaningless, you know, and sometimes they will have somebody there or they will have a scribe writing for them, but you're, you're right. You need to know how do you get to that place of having the extended time helping? Because if you're a person who does not like sitting in one place for a long time, being there for 90 minutes is like much worse than being there for an hour. And I remember honestly, even with me, because I remember taking the SATs and for me, it was a tremendous amount of time sitting in one spot. And I did not have the skills until actually I got to my master's when I started outlining. And if I would have known how to break things down into smaller steps, I think I, you know, I and many others would do much better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not knowing how to break it down into steps is 
really important. <laughs> it's just crazy. I'm, I'm just thinking about, about what that is or what that means when you say extended time. It's like, let's take something that's going to be hard that I don't want to do and stretch it out even longer. <laughs> and again, of course, if you need more time, you need more time. But but yeah, I can just imagine. I mean, I remember taking that ACT and oh, it was so long. <laughs> I remember dreading that day. It's a four-hour test. It's a lot of time to, yes. to be, sit there. It's a long test. And, you know, not all of us do well on me. Not all of us do very well on standardized tests. I mean, hopefully, you know, they're sort of in the process of changing that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does. I think there's some usefulness to some of the tests that are there, but yeah, there's definitely some skills that aren't taught or that aren't measured well with structured tests or other things that can impact your performance that aren't necessarily always taken account for with those kinds of tests. So yeah, that's, I could, I can see that that would definitely be an issue. You mentioned earlier something about, and this was during our conversation about accommodations, um, about starting and finishing a task. And it sounded like that was kind of more of a specific executive functioning strategy. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you might walk through that with someone that you're coaching? So, you know, I first, you know, have to say, okay, okay, what is our goal here? If you need to write a four page paper, what is our goal and when do you need to buy? Now, it is like really, I mean, if, if, you know, you know that you have to write a four-page paper in two weeks and you start two weeks before and you write like one page every other day, it's very manageable. If you wait until the night before, it's not. Yeah. So sometimes what happens is you get a little bit too far ahead. So, you know, I might say to them, okay, you know what? And I use a lot of um, colored index cards. I use a lot of colored sticky pads. Some people use apps. Um, you know, I, I, that I kind of leave up to them because there are some people you start using apps and they, they really start getting too much into social media. Mm, yeah. So yeah. I kind of watch the the apps. I mean, there was certain like the reminder app on the iPhone. There's another app called Amazing Marvin, which I love. But I really kind of have to see if it's something that's helping them. Um, because sometimes I find just recommending an an app is like you know adding on another. Yeah. Well, and work. if they don't know how to use it. I would imagine there would need to be some steps to take to figure out how to use it too, for it to even work. So it's really about a lot of this is about starting and initiating is a hard thing because the, the, so it's important to like start. And, and I think the other important thing is like, we're, we're not doing this to be perfect. We don't need A's on everything. We don't need hundreds on on everything. We just need it started. Sometimes getting things done is better. Yeah. That you really, and a lot of times the procrastination comes from the fear. 
You know, I'm not going to do it right. And it's hard to visualize that it's better to hand it in and do the best you can than to not hand it in. So with the younger child, the coaching would look more like coaching the parents to do what we just talked about, which is trying to figure out, okay, what are some things that need to get done daily? And then how do we, how do we hold them accountable for getting those things done? But it's more of a parent coaching and teaching the parents how to do that with their child. If if the child isn't at an age where personally coaching them makes sense. Right. But I mean, you know, sometimes if they're younger, they are having concrete language. Yeah. Issues. Oh, and then you would have to, you'd work on yeah. them specifically. Then you kind of, you know, have to intervene in that way. But I mean, yeah, I find a lot, there's, I, I always say this, I actually have a podcast also called Stuttering Demystified, where I always say, um, we leave the parents out. I mean, the parents are left out a lot, you know, and they don't know what's really happening. And when you're left out as a parent, you start to get very anxious. <laughs> I know yeah. that. And how would you know how to support? Like parents are so important in providing all of that support for all of these things. Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, when my younger daughter was in high school, I was constantly getting emails that she wasn't handing in homework. And I will say, interestingly, though, there were several times she made honor roll. And it's not, it's, she's a very bright girl. So, you know, there was always a huge disconnect that we as parents never really understood. And it did cause us to have a tremendous amount of arguments early on. So, you know, I think that's sort of what happens, you know, it, it explodes and it's, you know, executive functioning, you know, ADHD, it starts affecting many aspects of their lives. But as she got older, I mean, it's amazing now because she's, 24. She turned around. She does really well. She's finishing up college. She helps us a lot and her executive functioning skills have gotten much better. So even though we got her help early on and we didn't think she heard it, she heard it. And, you know, she started utilizing many of these skills as she got older. That's interesting that she could miss a lot of class and get a lot of missing assignments and still make honor roll. So do you think that with them emailing you about the homework assignments and things like that, were there some accountability issues going on at the school with that, with the way they were handling that? Or what do you think was going on there? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of problems with the school. Cool. You know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I have an older one who did really well in school. So I never noticed any of this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Nobody ever knew me. I was like never there. Um, so I never, you know, knew about this. I mean, honestly, the parent portal when, you know, everything went online with homework. I think it went online when my older daughter was like almost finishing high school and I never looked at it. Um, you know, I never really had to. 
Um, there was a lot of account of uh, like a lot of issues with like, so Leah, my younger one wound up in resource room, which was really not the right place for her because she wasn't learning, you know, any of these skills at all. And then it made her feel bad because there were a lot of issues. I mean, they would bring her into IEP meetings and they would talk negatively about her. After, I think she was in her sophomore year, I would never allow her in a meeting. Um, She would come out of there, my heart would break. And I mean, Leah would admit that it led to very, very serious mental health issues. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that the school system or m- most killed her. And I know that sounds like really, really harsh, but I think it's important to really hear it because we didn't know enough. And she was being asked to do things that she just wasn't able to. It wasn't like, I mean, you know, she is very smart, um, had nothing to do with that at all, but she didn't have skills. I don't want to sound harsh, but it really, really was a very negative experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, the, the idea of talking negatively about a child while they're there, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. if, I mean, I think at, at, a lot of the ages, even when they're younger, they can tell what's going on. But if there's already some confidence issues because there aren't the skills and they don't have the experience of being successful, I can imagine that would be really hard. And even if you, I think what people don't realize is that you can hold people accountable to do the things that they need to do without being negative. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm an adult. I don't think I want to be in a meeting where people are talking negatively. I mean, you know, it doesn't make negative. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make an, you know, so that's why I think when I work with people, I'm probably like the, I am extremely positive because I think, you know, all of us do much better in life when we are hearing about things that we do really well on, or, you know, we do really, yeah, I mean, you know, we really, I mean, and especially being someone, I mean, when I was younger, I started even like, you know, much, much, much more. And I never raised my hand in school and I was really scared and I really started to do better. I mean, I did get intensive speech therapy help, but I started to do better, you know, as I surrounded myself with people who were very positive. And, you know, when I went back to school, the first school basically said, you'll never be a speech pathologist, you stutter. So those words hit me hard. So I always believe like nothing should really hold you back. And there's just no reason to really talk negatively about anyone. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I think we probably a good place to wrap up, but, but before we do that, where is a good place that people can go to learn more about you and what you do? So if you're, you know, interested in any kind of coaching or executive functioning help, or, you know, even with, with some speech and 
language. I am predominantly now online. It's been working out really well. Um, you can find me at, I mean, I am in the New York area, but I'm predominantly online. It's um, allislandspeech.com. I mean, if you happen to be a speech pathologist, I do um, a lot of online work on stuttering with, you know, actually some um, executive functioning information also. So I'm on all island speech. Dot com. If you're on Facebook, it's All Island Speech and Stuttering Therapy. And I have a podcast called Stuttering Demystified. Also, there is a, a Facebook group for parents of um, children age 16 and up to learn more about executive functioning and ADHD. All right. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. Before I wrap up, I wanted to remind you to check the show notes for the links to all of Lori's social media and websites so you can learn more about what she does, including her courses and services for stuttering, as well as her coaching for ADHD and executive functioning. So be sure to check the show notes for all those links so that you can learn how you can connect with Lori and learn more about what she does. I am actually going to be on her podcast sometime in the near future. So keep your eyes open for that episode. I also wanted to remind you that if you are an SLP and you want a framework to show you how you can support language processing skills in therapy with a systematic process that shows you exactly how you should cycle through the language skills that kids need in order to be successful in school, including the skills that are going to build high-level comprehension needed for reading and writing, as well as the language skills that are going to support executive functioning across settings, then definitely check out my Language Therapy Advanced Foundations program for SLPs. To get more information about that program, just go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language foundations. Again, that's drkarenspeech.com backslash language foundations. And again, stay tuned for more information on my program that will be designed to help professionals support executive functioning across contexts, including academic settings, as well as social situations. So that program is in the works, but if you want to get more information about executive functioning now, in the meantime, then check out my parent guide that walks through what executive functioning is and some of the specific skills that would fall in this category. So to get more information on that, go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide, and you'll be able to sign up for that. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. So before we wrap up, I wanted to remind you, if you know anyone who would benefit from this information, feel free to share this episode with them. And also, it always helps us if you leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. So thank you again for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. 
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.